many experts will agree, and some have even gone on record to say that dry fire practice is the one thing that every shooter should be doing to obtain proficiency with firearms. Please believe it. Well, is is dry fire practice more important than live fire practice? Is live fire practice more important? Well, who knows? Well, guess what? The guys at PSA, you know we got you. We got you covered like a blanket. Today, it's all about dry fire practice versus live fire practice. Kick the intro. Tactical Tuesdays with Peach State Armory. Today is February the 25th. I am Dr. Osiris Carter. And among the gun scholars of the world, I am simply known as the professor. Please believe it. And what's happening, what's happening, it's your partner, Uncle Malcolm, a.k.a. Malcolm Claus. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> and today is all about live fire versus dry fire practice, guys. Dry fire practice is when you go through the complete and entire process, all of the motions that you would go through in live fire practice, but there's the absence of live ammunition. There are several benefits to dry fire practice most importantly, the cost savings. Right now, ammo is at a premium, especially some of the ammo that you guys may carry as defensive rounds or some of the ammo that you may even train with. It may get very, very, very cost prohibitive. So dry fire practice affords you the opportunity to get much needed reps in without having to spend that money. We need to save all our pennies these days, you know? <laughs> I mean, a box of nine will cost you probably about $12 for a box of 50 for training ammo. So if you have a training regimen like myself, you're gonna spend at least 40 bucks on ammo just to train. Mm, mm, mm. Insert now, the boo here. <laughs> now, when you're dry firing, you get to go through all of the motions that you would in a live fire scenario, but you don't have to spend all that money. Um, also included in that is range time. You have to spend range time. You have to have the equipment. If you don't own it, you have to uh, rent it. So there's a huge cost-saving benefit to dry fire practice when you're at home. Now, all the way up until the trigger press, uh, dry fire is applicable for all firearm types. But be careful out there, guys. Not all firearms are able to be dry fired. Um, we, we, we harp on it time and time again, podcast after podcast. Read your manual. Did you see the memo about this? Correct. And your manual will let you know whether or not the firearm that you have can be dry fired. It's going to be very important that you do that because if you are dry firing a firearm that should not be dry fired or that should not be used in dry fire training, then you may break some of the internal parts of that firearm. And if you have to use that firearm in a defensive situation, you may find yourself in a pickle. It'll go click and not bang. And you know what they call those types of guns. That's called a dead man's gun if that gun goes click instead of bang. So you get to experience a lot of cost savings when you are dry firing practice at home. Also, dry firing practice helps you to build muscle memory. You hear us talk about it all the time, time and time again. When you're training, you need to have that muscle memory. And why? Because if you are confronted with a defensive situation, the first thing that will leave is are going to be your fine motor skills. So things like putting a key into a keyhole or entering a combination onto a lock, those types of things will not be able to happen. Likewise, you probably won't be thinking as fast as you normally would once you're in a defensive situation. So if you're able to dry fire practice at home and dry fire enough to build good muscle memory, that would definitely bode well for you when you're trying to shoot effectively. 
Also, with dry fire practice, you can do things at home that you cannot do on the range. Things like uh, holstering and reholstering, things like transitioning, moving through targets, moving while shooting. There are tons of things that you can do while dry fire practice, but that you can't do at most conventional ranges. So it affords you the ability to get more valuable reps in at things that you may need to do in a defensive situation. If you have to use deadly force, the bad guy isn't going to be still. Being able to get muscle memory in on things like moving, transitioning, and things like that is going to be very important. And the only way you can do that is at home with dry fire practice. Because most rangers don't allow you to do any of that. They don't allow you to draw before firing. They don't allow any kind of movement. So you're only firing from a static position. Because they are not. They don't want to increase the chances of having an incident. Right. And by allowing people who may or may not be trained to do those things um a lot of a lot of bad things can happen yeah because you know if you carry concealed 99.99 percent of the times when you have that pistol on your person it will be in a holster so you will have to practice how to pull that firearm from that holster and present it to the target and at most conventional static ranges you can't do that now there's some out here that that allow it, uh, but of course you have to. They probably ask. owned um, and maintained by Six Hour. <laughs> there's some out here in the Metro Atlanta area <laughs> that let you do it, but again, you got to ask, and it's not common. You know, you may get into a defensive situation where it's more than one bad guy. If it's more than one bad guy, then at some point you will have to transition between targets. You will have to take those sights off of one target and move it to the next target. And that most conventional ranges, when you're in one lane, it's very hard to transition between targets. Unless you got one of those paper targets that have different silhouettes on them at once. Um, but again, but those transitions might not be enough type of movement that you need to practice. Those types of things you can do at home with dry fire practice technique. At PSA, we like to teach our students that you need to have at least 15 to 20 minutes of dry fire practice per day. At a if minimum. You, if you can't do it per day, at least three times a week. So if you could go ahead and try to remember to do that from now on, that'd be great. All right. At a minimum. You have to be able to develop and build that muscle memory. Becoming an effective shooter is all about consistency. And consistency comes in when you are at home practicing and doing good techniques with that. Um, there are several things that you can do, uh, several different drills that you can do when you dry fire practice, when you're dry fire training. One that we like to push is what we call the PSA hole drill. And with that, basically, you take your firearm, you get into a good shooting position, um, good mechanics. So that means you've got a good grip on that pistol. Your feet are right, how you would be comfortable in shooting. Um, and you've got a good sight picture and you aim in on something at home making sure that that firearm is empty, and you take a good control shot. And after that shot, you do not move, and you simply hold. And you hold for about 45, 50 seconds. You take a break in between for about a minute, and then you repeat. And you do this 15 times, your dry fire practice is, is done for the day. You know, once you start picking up that pistol and start presenting that pistol, you'll start to see that your arms, your hands, all of those things start to go to the same place every single time. And that is what you want. Exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> tough now. It's tough. It's very tough. It gets wrong. tough. It's it gets tough. tough. Um, you know, if you can do that 15 times in a row, it gets tough on your arms as you get into it. I have a green belt. Read it and weep. I don't believe in belts. 
There should be no ranking system for toughness. And you can take it a bit further and um, and draw before you actually present and, and press that trigger. Um, because uh, as Osiris mentioned earlier, you're going to have to draw it from a concealed position if, you know, God forbid you ever have to use it. So the draw of it is is equally as important as you being on target. If you can't get it out, you can't use it. Normally what I would do is as I'm building up, I would take the pistol and put it flat on a table and then I would draw it from there. And then a couple of reps into the drill, I would put it in the holster and then I would start drawing from the holster. But make sure, make sure, make sure that there is no live ammo around when you are doing this at home. You do not want to shoot holes in your walls or your neighbors or your family. It should make be in the sure, safe. Make sure that you do not have any live ammunition around. That way there's no mishaps. Always ensure that that pistol is empty and clear when you start. Remove all live ammunition from where you're training and go ahead and start training. Do yourself a favor. First thing, get a firearm. Now, that live fire training is going to be what everybody likes to do. Go to the range, strap on your eyes and your ears, get to the range and start putting lead down. As we stated before, it can get expensive, so make sure that you understand what you're going to range to practice on, kind of like when you're going to the gym. You know, today may be leg day. So if it's leg day, then when we go, we, we basically focus on one part of the live fire, and that is what we practice on. So if <laughs> if, if leg day will say will be your legs. Well, right, right. Leg day will be say trigger press day. Right. So we we present, we get our sight picture, sight alignment, and we work on pressing that trigger and then releasing and holding it until the next shot, releasing it slowly until you feel the reset and then pressing that trigger again. The reset. What is what is the reset? The reset is when the trigger, after the trigger has been pressed, uh, when you, as you release that trigger, you will feel a click or a wall, so to speak, and that is when the gun gets back in battery. At that is at that point, that trigger is able to be pressed again, and another round is able to be fired. Okay, so basically, I shouldn't let my finger all the way off the trigger every time I shoot. No, not at all. Um, and that's a that's one misconception. Um. That I see among a lot of novice shooters is that after every shot, they remove their finger completely off of the trigger. Uh, when I say completely, they let that trigger go to its forwardmost position and actually move the finger a little more forward than the trigger is. So they have to, every time they take a second shot, you have to, you you feel the entire trigger press. And for you technicians out there. You only want to release that trigger enough for the sear to reset. Once the sear has reset and the trigger is ready to be applied again, then that is the optimal point. No! What are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! When you're live fire practicing, when you're at the range, the first thing that you always want to do is make sure that you know and follow all range safety rules. And we all know what they call the big three rules. Keep that gun pointed in the safe direction. Always keep that gun unloaded till you're ready to shoot and keep your finger off that trigger until you are ready to shoot. But one of the other rules that I wanted to talk about was what if you're on the outdoor range? One of the other most important rules is that you know your target and what is beyond it. What's so important about that? Because if your round penetrates the target and continues to go down range, it's going to hit something else. And in a nutshell, that's that's why that's important. So you're responsible for whatever it hits beyond that target that you're shooting at. 
Um, so know all range rules and make sure that you're following those range rules. Also, when you're live fire practicing, make sure that you have all safety equipment that you'll need. Make sure that you have eyes and ears, what we call eyes and ears. Your ears will basically be earmuffs that keep your ears safe while shooting. You know, the human ear starts to, actually the human hearing, should I say, start to deteriorate at a specific decibel level around 80 or 85 decibels, I believe. Um, but the human hearing starts to deteriorate at that specific level. So when you're shooting indoors and outdoors, you always want to make sure that you have ear protection. I'm just saying, I think you got to think about your options. Some people like to have those ear plugs that go in. Um, some people like to use muffs. Myself, I like to use muffs. And I actually use the muffs that are rated for an airport all right and some people use both uh you know don't don't be afraid that if, if one of the two don't feel like they mitigate enough of that pop or that sound that blast from that firearm then double up put you some shout out to nipsey hustle man double up double up some earplugs in and put some muffs on top of them. If, if that I just never felt comfortable with those plugs in my ears. I never felt like it created enough of a seal in my ear canal for them to work. Well, you know, your ear canal is uh, is shaped different than, than the average <laughs> ear canal. You know, if you put an ear pod in your ear, it's just going to fall out. You know what correct, I'm saying? Correct. I cannot so, run with ear pods. Well, it depends. You know, again, that's that's an important point because it depends on the shape of your ears. So that's I, I know for a fact that I cannot use those ear the, the ear plugs, so I have to use muffs. I am looking for a slimmer, uh, slimmer muff to use. So that I can get a better cheat well when I'm shooting AR-15 platforms and, and rifle platforms and things of that nature. But I have to have muffs. And I fancy the uh, the plugs. And there are some plugs that are, are uh, what are they, memory foam uh, is, is what I... Like a bed? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, the... Yeah, that's what I got accustomed to. So you basically just kind of roll them up between your fingers for your bed and then stick it in your ear and allow it to uh to i guess uh expand and and feel your uh your ear canal say what those sound dope yeah they are they, they actually are. they actually sound magic yeah they they feel like magic and they sound like magic <laughs> so, um, hey shout out to magic johnson right, you understand me magic, magic come on the show and holler at your boys please but come see as us. far as your eye protection goes guys we want you to just get some good quality wrap around eye protection which basically means that the lenses wrap around the side of your face a little bit and that's just for protection purposes and we guarantee this is we we as the young kids say on God. You understand me? Yeah. No cap. Right, no cap. If you dry fire practice consistently before you live fire, the results will be greater. I'm telling you. Dry fire practice is the best way. Listen to what I'm saying. Is the best way that you can become a more proficient shooter. You will get there with dry fire practice. You will get there. So make sure that you know your firearm. Um, if you are renting a firearm, make sure that there is a professional somewhere near. Now, we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but at times it is difficult to find a range, a RSO on the range. Um, but if you are renting a firearm and you're not familiar with that, you either need to have a professional with you or you need to make sure that there's a professional somewhere around.
just in case you run into any issues, just in case you run into something that you don't really know how to mitigate, you'll have some help that'll help you out with what you need. All we need is a little plutonium. Oh, I'm sure that in 1985, plutonium is available in every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. It Drive fire versus live fire practice, both of them are important. And we want you guys to understand that you must, you must have both of these mixed into your training regimen. You can't do one without the other. Although dry fire practice is the best way to become a more effective shooter, you must mix in some live fire practice just to make sure that you can do things like mitigate recoil. You can work yourself through gun malfunctions, ammo malfunctions, because you will experience them, especially if you're shooting a Glock. Wait, 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 what? You, yeah, yeah. No. Malfunctions? Well, no, what I'm saying is- What? No, what, listen. Is, is no, that no, no. what you reading out here? No, I, no, I, no I'm, I'm not reading you it. You watching YouTube? Where you no, seeing these well, malfunctions? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it's, it's on YouTube. Shout uh, out to YouTube, uh, too. Uh, I, we yeah. do have a YouTube channel. Pull it up. Yeah, pull it no, up. Well, no, what I'm saying is, I, I mean, that was just an example. Yeah, well, you just pissing everybody off today, huh? I, it was a bad one. No, no. I, I mean, mean it, I think it was applicable to don't, the conversation. I, 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 so all I'm saying is you're able to work through those types of things when you experience them during the live fire situations. And those are the things that you cannot actually experience when you're dry fire practice. True, true, true. And, and that's, that's a, a big part of it. That's a big part of it. Uh, the dry fire practice will get your fundamentals uh, A1. A1. Um, but the rest is up to you. You know, at that point you have to, actually get some shots down range and be able to handle uh everything that gun gonna give you exactly so you know make sure that you are dry fire practice again at least 10 to 15 minutes per day is optimal if you can't do that at least three times a week yeah, like working out you know what i mean just just in, incorporate that into if you are, if you're a health nut and you hit the gym. Shout out to you, all the health nuts out there. Or you got a home gym, or you got an LA Fitness uh, uh, membership. You feel uh, me? Planet a Gold Gym. Right. You know? Shout so out to So if you got one of those, then just incorporate this into your regimen. You know, you already set aside a certain amount of time a day to work out. Put a couple more minutes on there and get you some dry fire training in. Because you got to understand, guys, that these are tools that you are using to save your life. If need be, why wouldn't you want to put the time in to practice and train on that tool just to make sure that you are effective and efficient with that tool? Church. Church. Understand the importance of both of those types of practice, though, guys. You have to become effective shooters if you want to be a responsible armed citizen. Or, as Malcolm liked last week, part of the responsible armed citizenry. Say what? Here we go again. <laughs> you know, should have left or, that. Or as 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 Malcolm <laughs> liked last week, the responsible armed citizenry. That's not a word. It's, it's a word, bro. I looked it's it up. Word, it's a word. I did not make that up. That is not a word. I did not make that up. That is a word. And like I always tell you guys, if you ain't got one, you better go get one. It's the tactical accessory of the day. So today's uh, tactical accessory is in line with the topic of the day um, with dry fire. So the tactical accessory for today would be dummy rounds. It's actually two in one. So you get a, a double up. Ah, one shout more time. Shout out boy, to R.I.P. Nip. R.I.P. Nip's hustle. Money making nip. You understand um, me? The marathon continues. 
Uh, Victory lap. Right. Uh, but but as I was, the the tactical accessory or accessories of the day are dummy rounds and snap caps. Uh, now, these are inert pieces of either polymer or metal that are, resemble and they have the exact same dimensions of a cartridge of the caliber gun that you are firing. Now, uh, the difference is a dummy round is not made for live fire. Shout out to all the dummies out there. Right. A dummy round is not made for dry fire. Uh, correction. Um, we should do it like PTI and have corrections at the end. <laughs> uh, but anyway, shout out to PTI, hey, man. Shout, shout out, out to hey, Will Bond. PTI, man. y'all come on. Hey, come One on, Will Bond. Will Bond and Corn Heiser, Will man. Bond, come on the show. Straight up. Um, but anyway, dummy rounds are not to be used for dry fire or live fire. Uh, they are only for loading, unloading magazine drills and some malfunction clearage. Uh, say, for instance, stove pipes, uh, things of that nature. They allow you to manipulate that gun to stop uh, to get it back in action in case you have a malfunction. Which now, you will experience with a Glock. <laughs> That's so funny. The last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaurs. Which don't, you will experience with it. any other gun but a Glock. I don't think is what we'll twisted. add that to the to don't, the corrections don't, 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 uh, don't, don't to the errors twisted. at the end. Don't get it twisted, guys. Um, and snap caps are the opposite. They are made for dry fire, not live fire, but dry fire. And the difference is where the primer sits on a cartridge, the firing pin hits that that surface. Dummy rounds don't have a surface that is um, conducive conducive uh, for a firing pin to strike it snap caps do the area where the primer should be they have a softer material that will allow that firing pin to hit that cartridge or that that inert round and not be damaged um this is important because the snap caps are used for the dry fire training dummy rounds are used for unloading loading for the most part and some uh malfunction drills so if you're planning on doing dry fire training, go out there and get you some. You can Straight do up. everything you need to do with snap caps, uh, but you can't do everything you need to do with dummy rounds. So you could buy both. You could, but if you must buy one or the other, choose snap caps. Straight up. Church. Now, we're going to do things a little different today. Normally, Malcolm does the shots down range, but today I give you guys the shots down range. Brow. Brow. Today's shots down range go to Lieutenant Colonel Stargell Mosley. Lieutenant Colonel Mosley invited us down to JBSA, that's Joint Base San Antonio Lackland. I'm about my issue, baby. To actually observe and take a, a good look at their firearms training program of the BMT program that comes through JBSA Lackland every year. Um, each year they train about 35,000 cadets, 35,000 or more cadets actually, um, and they do a pretty decent job of getting those guys through there. They actually train on the M4 carbine rifle, and they wanted us to come down and just lend a, a air of expertise to try to tell them a little bit how they could get their program to get a little bit higher qualification scores. We had a great time down. I want to give a shout out to Mr. C. also want to say what's up to Big Sal. Thank you guys for helping us out while we were down there. Appreciate it, guys, and we would love to see you soon and hopefully uh, on some more work-related issues. Make sure you go to www.peachstatearmory.com. Check out the Pro Shop. Also, make sure that you go and get a 2020 Custom Shots calendar. They are on sale as of today. I am Dr. Osiris Carter, and I will shoot your horse. 
but that is just so you can't get away. Damn. <laughs> it's, it's a little dark. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Malcolm out. <laughs> and remember, guys, watch your six and stay low. <laughs>